Welcome to Scholarship Provider Coffee Talks, a podcast for funders to listen and learn from their peers. In this episode, we're talking about lessons learned from past mistakes. This discussion comes from a webinar that was recorded on December 2nd. The topics covered were activities that have been a struggle and how you've learned from mistakes or missteps, uh, working through kinks, overcoming challenges, and new things to try out next year. All right, let's join the conversation. The first voice we are going to hear is our webinar moderator, Elise Brayton. All right, so we're going to move to activities that are tasks that always seem to be a struggle. Things that, uh, like these off-cycle scholarships that we mentioned, um, it could be, you know, like we said, maybe we get more into updating, finding time to update those scholarship um, applications, um, so many other things that maybe are difficult. Maybe it's it's refining your communication or or updating the instructions and things that you give students. But I think everybody has different struggles, but there's always something there. And I think there's also probably a lot there that we share. Um, things that are just hard across the board. The volume of scholarships creates unique challenges. And um, we can really help each other not just identify and get those on our radar, but also solution those together. I am from the Community Foundation of the Ozarks in Springfield, Missouri. The struggle that we have, um, and and we're just starting to get maybe our hands wrapped around it, is our selection committees. We have 447 scholarships that we administer, and um, it's just trying to get those selection committees all nicely communicated with. And um, so if anybody has any suggestions on that, I would really appreciate it. So Beth, let me ask you, do you have... You said 447 scholarships. Correct. Do you have that many committees? Um, we, that's a good question. Pretty much we do. Now, out of those 447, not all of them are active. We have probably approximately 390-some active uh, because we have a lot of scholarships that are upon demise. Mm-hmm. Um And, you know, just waiting to build their fund up before they do award a scholarship. Um, So it's not all 447. Out of those 300 and some, uh, approximately about 70 of them, we have volunteers that choose them. So I work with about 25 volunteers, and that's the way I do like it. I wish more of our donors would come over and let the volunteers for Community Foundation choose them. But otherwise, yes, we have a service area of about 50, 59 counties. And so I have probably over 300 counselors I'm working with. So, yes, they all have a separate scholarship. So- so much to manage. It's just the yes. volume. Again, that volume in scholarships, it, it can just uh, take over. Does any, has anybody else made the transition to that community, single scholarship community, uh, communal volunteer group selecting students for m- multiple of their scholarships? And um, I'd be really interested to hear how that went and um, if you have any tips or ideas for Beth, as she's maybe trying to convince some more donors to go that route. 
I'm from um, Waukesha County Community Foundation in Waukesha, Wisconsin. I have a little twofold um, to possibly help the foundation in the Ozarks. Um, I used to be an executive director for an education foundation, and I used um, fondant on that side for students who were using the system for scholarships. Now I'm on the back end where we're using Community Suite to manage it. So I've kind of got mm. a picture of how to use this and make it work for everybody. Um, we also give, we also just dis distribute about 450 scholarships every year. We just brought on another very large school district foundation. And what I've found that I'm going to do in this upcoming year, because I'm revamping everything to make it sleek and, and easy is I'm creating a Excel spreadsheet and I'm going to send it out to everybody who um, manages those 450 scholarships and say, complete this and I expect it by June 1st. And if you can't get it to me by June 1st, we're going to have a real hard time distributing scholarships. And so everybody kind of knows this is coming and I have all of the information on that spreadsheet that they need to complete. I mean, they're giving out the scholarships to these students within the month of May. Um, so it's like, there's no reason why they can't get me the information by June 1st. Because and that's information on their committee? Like correct. who are the people who will be, um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I want it all because these students receive a scholarship and turn around and request for it to be distributed. I mean, some schools do send them a statement or a bill, you know, by June 1st for their fall semester. So the sooner I can get it out, the sooner I feel good about it and I can put those to bed. But the, the deal is, is that these groups that start deciding who's getting these scholarships really start deciding in February and March. They know who's getting these scholarships in May. So the sooner mm. I on that train in February and start pushing it along, I feel like that's going to make my whole job so much easier for 2021. Yeah. So I'm hearing that advice as being communicate early. Yeah. Like, communicate don't early. Wait. Get them and, organized early to, you know, tell them what to do because they want to be led. They want to be structured. And I figure I can do it because the information is coming back to me in the way I want to give it back to me. It'll make my job so much easier. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think what I have, I'm sorry, I think what I have figured out and I've had this position, this is my fourth year and we've revamped everything. When I came into the position, we are, uh, what we were using was very, very archaic. And so we uh, got onto Foundant and so just building it from there. So this kind of has been taking a back seat, a back seat, but I think it's all about communication with your people. And um, I'm just hoping that will help a lot, but uh, thank you for your uh, suggestion. That's great. Oh, I love it when people can actually talk on Coffee Talks. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, oh, now, one thing that Leslie mentioned that um, I have really experienced to be true myself is um, that donors want to be led. Like there is a reason that they came to a foundation to run their scholarship rather than trying to do it themselves. And they believe that you, you know, know what you're doing and that you have good, a good process for submitting scholarships. So um, while donors also want, may want to have a, a lot of control and, and, um, you know, uh, really feel involved, they, they are craving that structure. And, um, 
that's one of the reasons that they came to you. So just not losing sight that uh, they want they want the structure, and if you create the structure for them, that that will be better for them. In many ways, it's very similar to to the founded software. Like we create a structure for you, so that you can then worry about the details, and you don't have to worry about the main, you know, bones of how a process works. So, um, all right. Anybody else who's got these uh, activities or tasks that always seem to be a struggle? Um, or something that was a kink in your system that you feel like you've worked through and you want to uh, share with some folks on how you worked through that particular kink. So I'm the one who started the SAT ACT requirement question. And I just kind of wanted to come on here just to tell you that we, like I am the one who's kind of on board with taking it off because I personally am not, um, good at standardized testing so i was always someone who was never wanted that to be a judge as to if i get a scholarship or if i got into college basically mm -hmm. but the, there's another co-worker in my in my foundation i work at the cataraugus region community foundation in olean new york so we're a small foundation but he's always been one who thinks that you know there's a student who might have like a gpa of like 85 or something but they're ACT or SAT could be higher. So sometimes we have a, a scholarship that kind of goes specifically on academic merit. So I guess the SAT is kind of our tiebreaker. Mm -hmm. But I've kind of, I just COVID I think might be our yearly thing where we just decide not to actually require it, but we are basically on the fence. We have no idea what we want to do. <laughs> yeah, I think we are seeing lots of people take out SAT, ACT. We're also seeing lots of folks that are um, removing that kind of strict academic requirement in general this year because last year was just so crazy for students. And there's an entire spectrum of decision-making philosophies on that. So really would be interested to hear from more people on this topic. Um, if it weren't a COVID year, I do have a recommendation for you, and that is to have one score for your academic um, indicator and to instruct your committees to choose the highest. If their score would be higher on their GPA, use that score. If it would be higher on their SAT or ACT, use that score. And um, But they only get one um, like one set of points for that. So that can be one way to kind of combat exactly what you're saying, like let students use the thing that they've done best in um, and be, you know, look at them in their best light possible. So that's one option for you. Uh, I'm calling from Greenfield, Indiana, central, east central Indiana. And um, we are the Hancock County Community Foundation. And a couple of years ago, um, the colleges in our area um, stopped requiring ACT and SAT um, or making them optional. And so we kind of listened to that. And um, like Taylor, uh, a lot of us on our committee believed that college success was not necessarily tied um, to the SAT and ACT scores. So we took that off. Um, we use a third party request to the students 
counselors um, for G- for their seventh semester GPA mm-hmm. as our um, basic um, requirement. And we also have them list any AP or college credit courses in a text box that they have taken or will be taking um, during their eighth semester. Um, we do have some scholarships that are available to college students and we just require college transcripts for those. Okay, great. Yeah, I think that's a good um, kind of well-rounded way to get some of that academic information that maybe is a little bit harder to identify if you're just looking at a transcript. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, Janet, while you're unmuted, uh, what are are some of the things that you have have struggled with or those tasks that just seem hard to track? Um, I think our most difficult is follow-ups for multi-year scholarships. Oh. Um, as far um, as um, we're able, of course, to schedule reminders to them, and maybe we need to schedule a reminder to me. Um, <laughs> but um, I think that's, uh, I suppose, my struggle. That would be probably my biggest struggle is getting those follow-ups exactly like they need to be for those multi-year scholarships. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything that that drags out for long amounts of time tends to be just a bit harder to track. Now, um, when you say follow-ups, are those um, like written statements from the student? Is it transcript uploads? What are you Um, collecting from them? um, uh, Transcript uploads are included. Uh, some of them need to uh, upload their tuition statements. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, it's it's a lot easier now through SLM than I think I believe that it was before. Yeah, that's, that's good. where I struggle the most. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I remember spending a lot of time in that follow up draft bucket in my SLM site back when I was managing scholarships because that was where all of the um, the difficulties were. That was right. where I I had to send more emails or or click in and get student phone numbers to start making calls and remind them to get those things in. Uh, yeah, so that you get real familiar with that bucket. It, Janet, I don't know if you have your custom columns turned on in your site yet, um, but if you don't, I strongly suggest doing that. It can really help getting comfortable with those custom columns mm-hmm. and uh, seeing and sorting that information can be really helpful as you um, work to manage that long term. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Anybody else doing um, some work in those longer term, whether it's follow-ups or, or management uh, or, or really anything, uh, I think we have got another hand raised. Just to piggyback on what Janet was saying, one thing we really struggle with is we have some scholarships that um, are renewable and like every year we have to have some sort of renewed agreement mm-hmm. on the anniversary date, but they can take payment whenever they want. So they can send in three or four different requests for tuition payments throughout the year or Mm. for books and scholarships. And the struggle that we run into a lot is with them only having the next one available to them in their follow-ups. 
Um, Mm -hmm. It may not be the appropriate one. And we've been dealing with that here in the last few days, which is why it's top at mind. Um, A student may need to have tuition paid um, and decide to use their money for tuition, or they might decide they want to use it for books and scholarships. And those are two different forms for us. And then again, they also need to ha- may need to have that agreement signed before we can give them money. And it, it just kind of depends on how many times a year they do that, what they need to have accessible next. So it'd be great if we could mm-hmm. have multiple forms accessible to the students uh, at the same time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There is one trick around this that I am going to share with you. We try not to get too found and technical in our coffee talks, but um, if you set the follow-up date for the ones that are all interchangeable and they can submit at any time, if you set them all to the same date, they will let them have access access to multiple of them at the same time. So you could set your um, agreement to an earlier date because they need to have that in first and then set the um, the request for payments all to the same date and they can use those interchangeably. Um, okay. But de- this is a good one to connect with your CSM on. Um, and am I right? Are you need to be completed before the next round? Yeah. So I, I would strongly suggest connecting to your CSM on this. There's a workflow that works for this, and I can see it in my head. So if um, if your CSM uh, isn't quite sure on that workflow, have them reach out to me because I'd love to connect with you on this one. Okay, thank you. Yeah. All right. What other things do we do? So one of the areas that I regularly have Um, clients and just other scholarship administrators that I am friends with talking to me about is communication um, and scheduling that communication, getting it all um, in place and and, um, making it really effective and looking at it year to year to make sure that it's uh, still relevant and still the right way to say everything and uh, changing with the times, all that fun stuff. Um, That's something that falls off their radar all the time. So I don't know if any of you struggle with that, but that is one area that I've definitely heard about. So on those those longer term scholarships, again, this is another topic area. I just have to jot down to say like, okay, renewable scholarships, we could do an entire coffee talk on renewable scholarships. Um, because I, I, and I think we knew that somewhere in our heads that this is a big area for folks. Um, so let me ask that if you feel like there's one aspect of your renewable scholarships that you're like, this part we fixed, this part we're doing better um, on this one piece of renewable, the whole renewable workflow, um, raise your hand because that might be the very same area that somebody else is struggling with. So this is out of those 400 and some scholarships, we have about 59 that are renewable. And those are anywhere from, you know, an additional year to two additional years to three additional years. We also used to use the term reapply. We have completely gone away from that because it was just way too confusing. And it didn't work in the workflow of Foundant um, that I could find. Mm-hmm. Um, but the renewable ones um, through the follow-up, has been remarkable. Um, 
like you had stated, I mean, get with your CMS and talk to them about it because the follow-up has created that there's not as many, much um, tracking. You know, it's all right there in the um, uh, system for you. So that would be my advice um, to get away from the reapply if you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is renewal. Uh, renewed and renewable scholarships are one of those uh, complex things, even within the system, kind of depending on how your account, it, it hits your accounting structure as well on things that need to be considered when we're talking about renewable scholarships. So this is an area that my team of CSMs talks about all the time. And I think it might be time for a, uh, a webinar on this to say like, this is what we recommend. Um, so, yeah, this is giving me some great feedback on an area that we need to, to do a great job of uh, giving some recommendations on. Thank you, Beth. That was really helpful to know that you know, that follow-up format for renewals is, is working well for you. All right, so um, I wanna take us into a slightly different activity. And for this, I want us to use a combination of the chat and make sure that you are saying all, to all panelists and all attendees. Um, and then also feel free to raise your hand, um, but I'm gonna be reading things out as well. What are the three activities that you know that you have to remember to do over the next two months? So December and January. And the reason we're doing this is that um, you don't know what you've forgotten, until later when it hits you and it's too late. So um, by everybody putting in three activities, we can come up with an awesome list of things for people to go through and just double check that they're thinking about. So I wanna see these chats moving. Um, three things, if you could list them one, two, three for me, that would be awesome. Make sure that you're going to all panelists and all attendees in that chat. And if anybody wants to raise their hand and speak out three of those things, that would be great. Um, but I think this is a great way to um, wrap up our time together to make sure that everybody is getting uh, the most out of, of this talk. All right, so I am seeing gather compliance paperwork for numerous scholarship committee members, right? So if you need to, have committees signed um, sign any paperwork about not sharing what they're seeing on scholarships, making sure that, that those forms and non-disclosure agreements are going out to those committees, um, as well as any timing. I'm seeing update, educate, and assign evaluators. I love that you put educate in there because if you have evaluators that are new that have never done this before, they might need some quick education on how to do what it is that they're doing, how to read this application, how to look at transcripts if you're giving them to them, um, things like that. So let's see, send reminder emails to applicants in drafts two weeks before the deadline. I love that one. It's an easy workflow and it can just really help lots of students. Um, I see update the evaluator handbook, reminder emails to applicants again. Um, this is so helpful, I love this. Uh, revamp our DEI language and information in evaluation review information. 
That's fantastic. Thank you for that one. Update high school counselors on progress of their applications and encourage applicants to submit applications. So that was from Janet White. Janet, it looks like you're working really closely with those counselors to let them also spur students on. You don't have to own all of that work yourself. You don't have to hope that students are, are checking their email. You can get right into their high schools via their counselors and send them those reminders. Touch base with the donors to update the summaries on scholarships. That's great. Let's see here. What else do we have? Send postcards to students about upcoming cycles. That's fantastic. Um, I see one that is send out COI forms. I'm not familiar with that term. COI. So Conflict of interest. Oh, thank you. Conflict of interest forms. Thank you, Jennifer and Ashley. <laughs> yeah, this is great. So I almost feel like this quick brainstorm might have been the most valuable tool of the entire day. We're going to get it into chat. Keep brainstorming. Keep asking questions of one another. So hopefully today um, in our time together, you all have picked up some piece of information that you can take and move forward to make your processes just a little bit better, a little bit easier for you and for your students and for your evaluators. Thank you for your time, and you all were so, such great participants today, um, so thank you for that. This would not be nearly as fun without all of you. You've been wonderful, and we hope that it's been uh, as much fun for you as it was for us. So that was our conversation. We're going to keep bringing you conversations like this following the coffee talks that we host online. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. You can look for announcements on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by following Foundant Technologies. And we want to hear from you. Unlike a lot of podcasts out there, you can participate yourself by registering for one of our Coffee Talk webinars. You can register for a webinar or access additional resources by clicking on the links in the episode notes. So from everyone at Foundant Technologies, thanks for listening. We hope you found it helpful. And we can't wait to connect with you again on our next Coffee Talk 